So I want to explain something. When I was a teenager, the first time I remember hearing this scripture, I thought the word sew was like S-E-W, like you sew stuff and knit stuff, you know? So if there's any young people in here or any non-farmers, that word doesn't mean to sow stuff. It means to plant. The word S-O-W means to plant, like you're putting seed in the ground. And then reap means to gather, like you take out what you're planting. Actually, the first time I remember hearing a scripture on this, um, I was in high school, and the preacher preached on it, and uh, he talked about sowing the seed of faith, like the size of a mustard seed. And you all know that scripture about the mustard seed thing? The mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds. I remember in the service, the pastor gave out little baggies with mustard seeds in them, you know, little baggies. And at the end of the service, I was so moved that I came down to the altar, and I'm just crying and crying and crying my eyes out. And it was a nighttime service, I remember that. And so after church was over, I left, and I went to pick up some of my friends in Surfside, and I got pulled over for speeding, as I do normally. And so I'll never forget, the officer opened up, you know, he shined his flashlight on me with light station, and he saw the little baggie in my lap with the mustard seeds in it. And I'll never forget, he said, um, he said, what is in that baggie? And I was like, mustard seed. It's like, why would a teenager be carrying around mustard seed? And I was like, because I was in church. And then he shined his light in my eyes and said, why are your eyes so red? I was like, I was at the altar crying. I was, you know, it was a great service. And um, he actually he researched my whole car and everything. Didn't find anything, of course. I was in a rent-a-car that night. But anyway, and so, um, anyway, so, okay, so let's keep going. So verse 8, read strong, go. Plant selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, and you'll have a harvest of weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, he will reap a Holy Spirit eternal life. Verse 9, so don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. So as often as we have the chance, do good, especially to those of the household of faith. Oh, y'all did good. It was like y'all were Catholic and Methodist all combined. I'm so proud of y'all. Y'all did great. So part one in Galatians 6, 7, and part one is this. Faith, fruitful farmer. Fruitful farmer. Every week we're going to talk about a different type of farmer. And fruitful farmer comes from the first scripture that we just read. So you can write that around verse 7. Here's what it's about. God established a law. Whenever God was began to form the earth that he created, and he began to create animals and then Adam and Eve, he created a law called the law of sowing and reaping or planting and gathering. This is a law that's been established since then. It'll be established as long as the earth remains. This will always take place. What it means is if a farmer wants to grow corn, he doesn't pray for the corn to grow. He doesn't hope for the corn to grow. He doesn't believe and say, corn's going to grow, corn's going to grow, corn's going to grow, and then look, and there be corn. That's not how it works. He doesn't even think this. I'm going to be a good person, and then I'm going to have corn in my harvest. That's not how it happens. What happens is he has to go out and plant corn. Now, then he can pray, and he can hope, and he can believe, and that's how we water our seed, but he has to plant corn if he wants to receive corn. Are we all on the same page? Galatians 6, 7 says, do not be deceived. And it's interesting that it starts with that. Anytime you're studying your Bible, anytime and you see the phrase, don't be deceived, you have to think real hard about this. This scripture in a lot of the New Testament is not talking to everybody in the world. If this scripture was talking to sinners who don't know God, we could see why it says don't be deceived. That's obvious because a lot of people are deceived out there. It's talking to members of local churches here. It's saying that you and I can be deceived about what we're getting ready to study and read. How in the world could you and I be deceived in this area? 
How could we possibly think and be deceived that if someone wants to grow corn, they got to plant corn? Of course we know that. Why would we think otherwise? Here's why we can be deceived. We think the reason I'm harvesting this in my life is because of what somebody else did. The reason that I'm depressed and lonely is because they treat me bad. The reason I don't ever have any money is because my boss won't promote me. The reason I'm living this type of lifestyle is because my parents abuse me. The reason I have this harvest is because what somebody else did, but that's not how it works. A farmer looks out at his harvest and he knows the harvest that he has is because of the seeds that he has sown. The farmer doesn't look at his neighbors and say, man, they have collard greens growing out there. I want collard greens. How come God gives them collard greens and gives me corn? It's because he's planting corn and they're planting collard greens. Are y'all getting hungry already? Y'all like, man, I can't believe, you know, we, just try, we started the new year. We're trying to lose weight. Now you're talking about collard greens. and Okay, so Genesis 8.22 says this, as long as the world exists, there will be seed time and there will be harvest. In other words, if you plant something and you don't receive what you plant, you'll be the only one that ever existed on planet Earth who planted something and didn't receive a harvest. You'll be the only one. Because God cannot lie and he's bound by his word and he created this principle. This is a law. You can't get away from it. Do, do, how many of you would like to have an even better marriage than you have right now? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. I'm just saying like in your heart, I'm not talking about with somebody else. I'm talking about with the one you're already married to. If you raise the wife, raise her hand first. The husband will get mad. If the husband raises his hand first, the wife will get mad. Of course, we all want a better marriage. How many of you want to be healthier than you are right now? How many of you want more money? How many of you want more friends in your life? Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow is what you are going to reap. Now, I will say this to you too. Um, this wasn't the series that I had planned. I thought for sure God gave me a completely different series. In the middle of the week, he changed it. And he's never done that to me, ever. So obviously, this sermon is either for me, for y'all, or for somebody from the 1115 service. It's probably somebody from the 1115 service, to be honest with you. Definitely somebody, there's somebody watching online. or something. It's not for us. Anyway, here's what I want you to see. I'm going to see what kind of farmers y'all are. I think y'all are smart. If you get the answer right, don't tell the 1115 service because sometimes they get it wrong. Okay, so over here, I have a harvest of, let's see. I shouldn't have taken such a big bite. Um, what's up, Doc? Okay, so in this harvest, excuse me, you can have some of that too. And so in this harvest, <laughs> I have carrots. What type of seed did I have to plant to grow these carrots? Y'all are right. Carrots. Y'all are smart. Y'all are farmers. Over here, I have a tomato. What type of seed did I have to plant to have a tomato? Tomato seeds. Y'all are two for two right there. In this harvest, I have money. <laughs> what type of seed did I need to plant to get this? <laughs> money. Being given, being given, not worked for, being given that someone just gave me this. Over here, I have words of affirmation. Somebody told me how great I am. What did I have to plant to receive that? Words of affirmation. You are awesome. Here's the point I'm trying to make. The seed always comes first. See, we're, 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 we're the opposite. Man, I need some affirmation in my life. I need some encouragement. 
Man, I need some tomatoes. I need some friends. I need some health. I need, I need some more joy in my life. I need some prayers. I need somebody to pray for me and lift me up. But let me ask you this. What have you been planting? What have you been sowing into the ground? What have you been doing lately to give God a harvest to work with? See, we go through life and we're so focused on our needs. We're so focused on what we want, so focused on what we don't have. And we forget you're determining your future by what you're planting right now. And, 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 and take me back to that Genesis 8.22 scripture. You know, it says that until the world exists, this is the, this is the law. Let me explain to you another law that God gave. There's a law called the law of gravity. Everybody understand that law? In other words, if I were to take this Bible and um, if I were to hold it up in the air and then release it, what would happen to this Bible? I still got carrots all inside my mouth. Anyway, let me ask this. If an atheist walked up here who does not know God or an agnostic or a Hindu or a Muslim and they took this same Bible and they released it, what would happen to it? What if Billy Graham and Mother Teresa both had hands on each side of the Bible and they released it, what would happen to it? Why? Because there's a law in place. There's a law and it applies to everyone. Doesn't matter if you're good, bad, or ugly. Every single person is faced with the law of gravity. In the same way, every single person is faced with the law of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow is what it is you're going to reap. Um, I heard about this, uh, this father and son that they were... Um, going up to a mountain, like hiking together and hanging out one day. And um, all of a sudden, the, the young boy, he slipped on some rocks and he kind of slid down a little part of this cliff. It wasn't that steep, wasn't that big of a deal, but it scared him really bad. As soon as he hit that side of the cliff there, he immediately screamed out, help, help, help. All of a sudden, he heard these words come back, help, help, help. He thought that was so weird. He said, who are you? And the voice came back, who are you? And by that time, the dad got to him. He said, son, what are you doing? What's wrong? The boy said, dad, who is that out there? The dad said, oh, I see. Watch this. You're the best. And the voice came back. You're the best. He said, you can do it. And the voice came back. You can do it. He said, son, that's called an echo. But it's also called life. Whatever you send out is always going to come back to you. My question today is this. What have you been sending out? You can't blame your parents. They have their seeds. You can't blame your boss. He or she has their seeds. You can't even blame your spouse. My question is, what seeds have you been sowing in life? If you want more, you got to sow more seeds. If you want change, you got to change the seeds you're sowing. It all starts with the seed. Um, in Luke 6, 37 through 38, I'm sure you know the scripture 38. Give and it'll come back to you, good measure. Everybody knows that scripture. But you have to take it back to the scripture before to see exactly what they're talking about giving. Luke 6, 37 says this, Judge not, and you won't be judged. Do not condemn others, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and give up resentment, and you'll be forgiven. Give, and it'll come back to you. And then this last part talks about everything we just read. For the measure that you use for others, the measure of judgment you use for others, the measure of condemnation you use for others, the measure of forgiveness you use for others, the measure of giving that you use for others is the same measure God's going to use for you. The same measure. Listen, this is great news for some of y'all. For those of you that forgive quickly, that's the seed. 
For those of you that you worship freely and you don't care what anybody else thinks, that's a seed. For those of you that pray for others, that's a seed. For those of you that give in the offering, that's a seed. But here's the bad news. For those of you that are quick to judge, that's a seed. For those of you that are quick to condemn, that's a seed. For those of you that are quick to gossip, that's a seed. For those of you that are quick to be rude, to withhold mercy, those are seeds. And here's the, the same measure you use is the measure you're going to get back. This scripture tells me two important things. One is this. I get to determine the actual size of my harvest. I could actually determine the size of it. If I'm not getting what I want, if I'm not getting enough of what I want, here's the good news. I determine what the size is going to be. In other words, the same measure. If I use a measure, if a spoonful measure of blessings, if I use a spoonful measure of encouragement, if I use a spoonful measure of, of giving financially, hey, that's the same measure I'm going to get back. If I use a dump truck load, I get a dump truck load back. Here's the other thing about that scripture that I like, and that is this. This means people, we cannot go around and just treat people however we want to treat them and think we're going to get away with it. People can't treat you however they want to treat you. They can't be rude, mean, whatever they do. They, they're not going to get away with it. We're not going to get away with it. Whatever seed is sown, is this a good sermon? Because y'all are like, y'all a bit confused. <laughs> we're all on the same page, right? Y'all don't, listen, y'all don't be going out planting flowers in your house thinking that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about, don't, y'all like, I got a good garden at my home. Here's a picture of it on Facebook. No, no, I'm talking about the garden in your life. <laughs> Some of you are like, I'm sowing seeds. Those are oats. Don't sow those. We're talking about seeds. Okay, so anyway, so here's what I'm saying. You people cannot go around and criticize you and think they're going to get away with it. They can't be rude to you at school or make fun of you or, or make you feel inferior or talk down to you and think they're going to get away with it. We don't get away with it. As long as the world exists, there will always be seed time and there will always be harvest. Um, last week, I told you all the story um, of how God called me to preach and pastor. The whisper and you know, Reverend Randall and all. I didn't tell you the whole story. There's a little part I left out. Um, when I first got the whisper, and I knew that God wanted me to pastor, the first person that I went to, I was so excited. The first, I was 26 years old. I didn't know nothing, but I knew God called me. The first person I went to was my dad. I went to my dad because he was an incredibly successful minister back in the 70s and 80s. He had the largest charismatic church in all of South Carolina in the 80s. He had a television show called Good Morning Jesus, spanned it on, on the whole um, eastern seaboard, uh, top north, down all the way down to south. He had started schools all over the world. He had trained hundreds of pastors. So I thought, he's going to love it. He's going to be his, his, his firstborn son wants to be a pastor. When I talked to him, I can remember where we were at. I can remember the way the, the, everything smelled. I can remember the exact temperature. I can remember what I was wearing. I can remember every detail of it. He, um, I told him how excited he looked at me. He said, he said, that's the worst thing you could ever do. He said, you will fail miserably. It'd be the worst decision of your life. No, you don't have anything to say that anybody wants to hear. Don't ever mention that again. Stick to music and never think about pastoring. I left that day, and for the next six years, we didn't say a single word to each other. Six years. I stepped out and I began pastoring. For six years, I'm ministering to people. 
and I'm holding on to this pain of what my dad spoke to me in 2006. February the 19th, I think it was, 2006. I'm holding on to all of this, what I didn't realize was unforgiveness. I mean, there was more to the conversation. I look back now and I think maybe he was trying to save me from pain. Maybe he was trying to prevent me from having to go through the sacrifices that pastors go through. I mean, if you read the Bible, the hardest job in the Bible, it says is pastoring. I mean, Moses, Elijah, over and over, they all have this prayer, God, kill me and take me now. I mean, you can read all those men of God in the Bible. When they, that's the, one of the main prayers they pray is kill me and take me now because it's so hard in ministry. Maybe that's what he was doing. For whatever reason, it hurt me so bad. I was so disgusted with that meeting that I walked away and didn't speak to him for six years. Six years he didn't see his grandchildren. Six years we didn't go to lunch. Six years we never saw a movie together. Six years. After about six years, 2012, we reconciled, reunited. He sold us this property here. And um, now he's my biggest supporter. He thinks I'm the greatest preacher in the whole world. You know, he loves it. Everything's great. About a year and a half ago or so, my oldest son, he's 22 years old. He had his first baby, he and his wife. So I'm a grandfather. For some reason, he doesn't want me in his life right now. We're, you know, the relationship's kind of rocky. Things aren't what I want them to be. I wish he'd be okay. I wish we could talk and hang out and have a relationship, but for some reason right now, he doesn't want to do that. I look back and I think, is this a harvest of a seed that I sowed 12, 13, 14 years ago? Is this because of a decision that I made as a young, immature man thinking that it's okay to disrespect my father, to dishonor my parents because they did something that hurt me? that offended me, that caused me pain? Am I reaping a harvest of a seed that I sowed when I was 26 years old? You say, well, John Paul, what they did was wrong. They were 100% wrong. You were 100% right. Listen, only wrong people need mercy. They don't need mercy if they're not wrong. So if I want to reap harvests of mercy, what do I need to plant? Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now listen, if you're planning on never making a mistake the rest of your life, hold on to your mercy seed. You don't need to plant it. You don't need to sow it. When someone does you wrong, don't forgive. Don't, don't, don't let go of the offense. Hold on to it. Talk about it. Stay frustrated. Don't sleep at night thinking about what they did to you. As long as you're never going to make a mistake the rest of your life, you'll be okay. But if there's a chance, even a minute chance, that you're going to do something you regret or say something you shouldn't have said or act in a way that you didn't think was right, then my friends, you better today sow seeds of mercy in your life. Because whatever you sow, that's what it is you're going to reap. You possess the potential to determine the next season of your life. Right now, in your hands, in your talents and your gifts, in your words, in your attitude, in your thoughts, in the way you treat people, right now you possess in your life, right in your seat, in your wallet, in your mind, in your, everything that you have right now is possessed. In your, you have the potential to determine the very next season that you go through in life. 
I have a, a friend. He's an incredibly rich, incredibly successful real estate agent. He lives in another state. I mean, and he's so rich, practically half the state knows his name. And um, he's, it, the reason he's successful isn't necessarily because he's good at what he does. He's successful because he literally lives off of this principle. What can I sow today? What can I put in the ground every day that's been his attitude? About maybe eight, nine years ago or so, he lost his wife to cancer. They were both great godly people. They were elders in their church. They're in their 50s. She was a wonderful woman. And they prayed and they anointed with oil. They did everything they could. And God, for some reason, gave her the ultimate healing. He took her to heaven and got her out of this world. Listen, that's the ultimate healing is to be out of this world. And so she's in heaven. And my friend, man, he grieved and grieved and grieved. It was horrible grieving. After about a year and a half or so of his wife passing, he was coming through Myrtle Beach just visiting, and he came by my house just for 10 minutes, and he's in there and talking, and we're, you know, greeting each other. And the day before he came, my dryer broke in my house. And we kind of laughed about it, no big deal. And when he left, I walked him outside to his car. When I walked back inside where he was sitting, I don't know how I missed it, but he had written a note that said, for your dryer, and he put $500 down on my table. When I saw that, I was so upset. I thought, this isn't right. His wife died. He's depressed. He's discouraged. How dare he? I should be the one to sow into him. I should be giving him something. I should be encouraging him. I should be So I already had the phone number in my phone, and I was just about to hit send. And I heard God say to me, you're going to rip his seed out of the ground? You're going to take the very thing that could bring him a great harvest? And give it back to him? So I've hung up the phone. I've cried. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we went out and got a new dryer. About a year after that, he was here at the beach by himself. And it was a cold day outside. So cold that he had long sleeves, long pants. He's out on the beach. And he looks, and there's no one for miles. And you can't see a single human being anywhere. He's out there by himself except for one woman walking by. One woman. And it was so odd that she was there. As she passed by, he said, um... What, what are you doing out here? And she said, I don't know. I'm vacationing by myself, and I just feel like God told me to come walk on the beach. She said, why are you here? And he thought that was so usual that she said, God told me. He said, that's funny. He said, my wife passed away a year or so ago, and I'm here in town where we used to vacation at. And I'm just kind of walking out on the beach just to think about her. This is where we used to vacation. And uh, he said, where are you from? And when she told him, they're from two towns right next to each other up in the state where he's from. Not only that, they started talking more and this woman he's talking to, 30-something years before, was in a youth group with the guy's wife who's now in heaven. Even make it better story, six months later they fall in love. Now they're living happily ever after. They're elders in their church, married, living a good life. Listen real close. Stories like that don't happen for the average Christian. They happen for people who are always on the lookout to sow a seed. Even when they're hurting, even when they're in pain, even when there's bitterness in their heart, even when they're angry as H-E-L-L, they are still out looking to put seeds in people's life. The whole entire Bible is the law of sowing and reaping. The whole Bible, every sermon you will ever hear the rest of your life is a sermon on sowing and reaping. Let me show you and see how smart y'all are, okay? I'm going to show you a scripture with the harvest and see if you can guess what the seed is. Okay, here we go. Joshua 1.8 blank and you'll prosper and have good success now there's the harvest prosperity good success what's the seed joshua 1 8 
meditate on God's word, you'll prosper in good success. Proverbs 10.4, blank will make you poor, but the hand of the blank. Now, here's two harvests, two separate. One's poverty, one's being rich. Let's see what the seeds are. Laziness will make you poor, but the hand of the diligent makes you rich. James 4.7, blank the devil. Now, there's a lot of things you could put there, so just calm down for a minute. Blank the devil and he'll run from you. Pop a cap in the devil, is that what it said? Talk about the devil, complain about the devil, argue with the devil. James 4, 7, resist the devil and he'll run from you. Proverbs 18, 24, if a man wants a harvest of friends, he must sit at home with the blinds closed, eat ice cream and watch episodes of I Love Lucy over and over and over again. Sit at home and complain about how depressed he is. Stay at home and think nothing good ever happens to me. How come my life is so bad? No, Proverbs 8, 24, if a man wants friends, he must show himself friendly. There's a seed in harvest. Hebrews eleven six. God rewards those who love him. God rewards those who seek him whenever they're going through a problem. God rewards those who go after him only when things are bad. God rewards those who diligently seek after him. Romans 10, 9, if you blank, 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 you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, this is actually the greatest harvest in the Bible you want to see the second greatest harvest in the whole Bible? I'm going to show you this. You're not going to like it. In fact, think, if it's the second greatest harvest in the whole Bible, it's probably one of the most difficult things to do. I would think the greatest harvest I've met, you could look at, you could look at every reward or every harvest in the whole Bible, and you will not find one greater than Malachi 3, verse 7. Bring your blank into the temple. Bring your sorry into the temple says the Lord and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven pour out on you in abundance all kind of good things there's no room to store it I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake so he won't even destroy the fruit of your ground says the Lord all the people will call you happy they'll talk about how I've blessed you on and on it goes what do you got to bring you got to bring the tithe the whole tenth of your income into the storehouse bam drop the mic Emerald Lagasse bam 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 is that who it is that does that Bam, 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 man. Listen, tomorrow's harvest is today's seeds. Tomorrow's harvest. Now, if, um, if you're here and you're thinking, you know, this, this, this evil thing happened to me, what did I do to deserve it? Okay, listen real close. There are enemy attacks in your life. There are demonic attacks, demonic spirits trying to destroy your life. You hear what I'm saying? So when you look at a harvest, you can't look at one or two things that have happened in your life a harvest is seasonal look at the past five seasons three seasons ten seasons see what is continually happening in your life so you can see what seeds you are continually sowing in your life in fact I believe that your seed in the hand of God is greater than any demonic attack you'll ever face so just like if you're in the pro if you're in the middle of the worst attack of your life, as much as I want to tell you that, that we should be helping you and we should be ministering to you, I, that's, that, here's the Bible, you got to sow some seeds. Even in the middle of the worst attack you could ever face. In the early um, 1900s, there was this tiny insect called the bow weevil that migrated from South America up to Alabama, out of the blue. They began to spread like wildfire and they were eating and destroying every single um, cotton farmer's crop in Alabama. 
I mean, they tried everything they could to get rid of this, rid of this bow weevil. They tried new pesticides. They tried new um, solutions. They tried to do whatever they could, mix things together, every, and nothing worked. It was to no avail. The farmers literally had to stand back and watch all of their crops get eaten day after day, their whole livelihood destroyed by this little stupid demon insect named the bow weevil. They thought their life was over. They're going to have to move to another state. What are they going to do? This one farmer out the group began to study and research. He found out that the bow weevil does not like the taste of peanuts. So he thought, you know what? I'm going to go out there and plant a new seed. I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to step out in faith and try something that I've never tried in my life, hoping I'll get a different harvest than I've been getting right now. So he stepped out and planted some peanuts. All of his farmer buddies told him he was crazy. They said, it's not going to work. You're going to lose all your investment. Your money's going to get worse for you. But sure enough, the very first month of harvesting the peanuts made him more money than he normally made all year long off the cotton. What I love about the story is that the bow weevil did not like the taste of peanuts. That tells me this. God has a harvest for me that the enemy cannot touch. In other words, there's a seed that I possess in my life right now that if I will be willing to sow it into the ground, the devil cannot steal that harvest from me. Every seed that you sow in response to God's word is a harvest the devil can't touch. If the devil could destroy a godly, biblical, Holy Spirit-led seed, then the devil's more powerful than the Bible and the Word of God, which is not true at all. Um, in the book of Job, he, he went through this awful attack. Satan attacked him, literally. It was Satan. It wasn't a demon. It was Satan. Read the Bible. He lost his family, lost his health, lost his business. Everything went to nothing. He spent 42 chapters complaining. 42 chapters, I can't believe this happened to me. My life's so bad. How could this take place? I thought God loved me, and now this is happening in my life. 42 chapters of complaining and yet nothing changed. 42 chapters of, 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 of thinking about how bad it is, how could I be going through this, and nothing changed. Finally, at the end of the book of Job, he did something he had never done before and received something he had never received before. Job 42.10 says, The Lord turned the captivity of Job and restored his fortunes. Here we go, ready? It's real big, it's real hard. After he prayed for his friend who would have thought praying for somebody else would cause God to bring my miracle in my life uh, when we were at MUSC with Asher and I'm, I'm about to close with this but y'all know the story I've told you a hundred times my, my fourth child Asher um, was born with a malformation we were at MUSC month after month um, sleeping wherever we could sleep we did not leave that hospital uh, the doctors told us he was going to die. We watched him dying, um, the breathing tube, coma, everything. It was the worst you could imagine. Uh, I'm going to tell you something that I did, and it's not going to sound like this was difficult, unless I really took time to tell you the story, but it was difficult. Uh, there was another little girl that was a few, um, I guess, rooms down. They were kind of open rooms. And uh, I think she had a ligament that had, been, had to be severed, some burns. She was mentally handicapped. And I don't know what she went through because there's those privacy laws, you know. But somehow I did, I was able to gather information from one of the nurses 
that the little girl's parents basically dropped her off after the accident with no intention of coming back to get her. They just didn't know, they didn't know if they could handle a child like that and things of that nature. It was so sad. So day after day, we're seeing this girl sometimes moaning and in and, and, and pain, and no one's visiting her. No one's, no one's there for her. The nurses only, of course, and nurses are absolutely amazing, of course. Nurses get paid half of what doctors do and do three times as much work. And if you're a doctor, we appreciate you too. Anyway, okay, so... Um, <laughs> anyway, and so, um, so we're in the hospital, and we're seeing this girl there, and as hard as it was, and as difficult as it was, and I believe this had a lot to do with one of the reasons that God healed Asher. Um, we would leave the, I would leave the hospital room of my son who's dying and go into this other girl's room and bring her balloons, stuffed animals, pray for her, pray for God to heal her. Now, I'm going to tell you what was in my heart. If someone had come to me and said, John Paul, every child in this whole hospital will be healed, healthy, and whole if your child dies. I'd say, you tell every one of them, I'm sorry, I want my child to live. That was my heart. Um, in my heart, every time I prayed for that little girl, all I could think about was my child. But sometimes I find that we have to step out and sow a seed even when we don't feel like it. Even when we're so full of fear and pain and anguish, I think sometimes we have to faith it until we make it. I'm not saying fake it. I'm saying as a step of faith, you don't feel like it, you don't want to do it, but you step out and sow a seed anyway. And I always find our heart will always follow our actions. Sometimes we have to do it 10 times until we actually start feeling like doing what we know God's telling us to do. Um, and I will close with this, but yeah, I was looking at our, our finances um, from last year. Our bookkeepers are getting all the paperwork together so we can see what you know last year was like and I know that our church gives a lot I mean we have financial counseling we have other ministries we help left and right it's just unbelievable how much we give and the other day I was thinking I was like God if we went one year without giving if we could go one year and not bless anybody else we could build a new building we could have a state-of-the-art equipment Oh, we could have such a nice stuff. Oh, God, if we could just do just 2019, if we could just go that one year and not do anything for anybody else and just hold on to it. Oh, we could be so blessed. And it's like I heard God laughing at me. <laughs> God, what is it? Jump all. You think that if you hold on to the seed, you'll have more this year? <laughs> The reason you have what you have is because of the seeds you sow. If you want more, you got to sow more seeds. They're like, oh, God. 